Every new horizon carries with it the weight of new understanding. The ability to shape a social space, to create a world, is becoming more available. Today, Spencer Williams of Walk the Night discusses the potential of social engineering, the pioneers of the LA front, and the responsibility that comes with new knowledge. I have been hired by companies and, and hope to be hired by companies to do immersive activations, but there has to be an ethics around it. We have to be very careful We're dealing right now with a lot of data being shared and a lot of behavioral manipulation that's going on, and it's not something small. This could easily become a nightmare. It's an important time and a really exciting time. <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility, Spider-Man. Hi, I'm Nathaniel Skye, the host of the Immersion Nation podcast. Here, the masters of immersive experience create and conjure, muse and imagine the cultural revolution that is unfolding before us. That is immersive entertainment. Welcome. This is a continuation of last week's discussion. If you missed last week's episode, we discussed starting from where you are and Spencer's path with immersion. This episode, we kick off with a particular flavor of the Make It Immersive segment where Spencer walks me through the construction of magic realism and an experience that resembles a sneak peek of the Tales by Candlelight experience that he has designed with Christoph Vischer, who is our guest for next week's episode. That runs for about 10 minutes, and if you want to skip into... Uh, the meat of considering the horizons and new directions of immersive entertainment. Uh, you can skip into that and we explore many different angles, aspects, what have you. So please enjoy this episode of the Immersion Nation podcast. Well, potentially, if you would be down to use this as a segue, um, sure. we could move into the Make It Immersive segment. All right, so in going with the nebulous world there, um, okay. the nebulous world of uh, a little bit of a little sprinkle of magic, mm -hmm. um, how could that be turned into an immersive experience? And I would shift that question just a little bit instead of it being directly, how can one turn that into an immersive experience? Because it's not a specific world, but mm -hmm. what what would the process of making the introduction of magic into an immersive experience be subtle enough to feel real. Okay, I'll give you a, a very loose example of the, um, from the piece that, I, that, that we have going on right now. Perfect, um, yeah. One of, one of the two pieces. Okay, Sky. So um, you are, what, what city are you in right now? I am in Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids, Michigan? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, did you grow up in Grand Rapids? Uh, I did. Yes. Great. Um, are 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 your parents still with us? They are. Are they? Um, is the house that they're living in right now um, the house that you grew up in, or have they uh, have they moved? 
Um, it is for the moment. Yes, it is. Okay. Okay. So when you were, uh, when you were a kid, where was a place that you, uh, that you played in that, in that house? Um, in the house specifically, uh, in the house or in the yard, like on that, on that property in the place that you grew up in. Um, there was a little stand of, uh, white pine trees out back that, in the conjunction of the four of them were particularly excellent for uh, climbing and navigating as a not particularly yes. athletic kid. Um, those yes. more easily accessible trees were always lovely. Cause I'm like, I can do this too. <laughs> yes. Yes. You got to be, uh, did, uh, I, I want to say, were you channeling anything or were, was there, uh, uh, what did it feel like as a kid when you were climbing those trees? Was there, was there a, uh, a role play that was happening there or was it just the flat out joy and ease of climbing the trees? Well, I mean, I think that there is, this is not a constant theme certainly, but I definitely know that the idea of uh, Legolas and the ethos of what elves always, or certainly cropped up from time to time there when uh, that particular uh, fictional world um, showed up in, in my childhood in that right. Perfect. Perfect. So, um, so let's start there. Uh, yeah, there's so much, there's so much that's so rich with that, um, with that world. Okay. Um, so when you think of, uh, of Legolas, what is, what's, a, uh, what's an image that comes to mind? Either it doesn't necessarily need to be from the movies, but if you think about your, um, the, the picture that you had of Legolas, if, uh, did you read Lord of the Rings to, to encounter it first, or did you see the movie first? Um, had it read to me before I was an avid enough reader to digest Tolkien. Um, amazing. Amazing. Okay. So yeah, that image was definitely pre, uh, so, pre blanking on actor's name, which is shameful. It's not shameful at all. I'm terrible at names. Um, okay. So do you, uh, in your mind's eye right now, can you picture something that was, different from your imagining of Legolas from, uh, compared to the movies Legolas. I know there was, are you looking for a specific thing? Because I know there was a Delta between the two, but the movies came I, just for, was... for, for, um, I'm talking about between your imagination, you know, the, the, the way that you pictured Legolas as, as, as a kid sitting and having that book read to you as compared to what you saw in the movie. Was there was there a detail like a hair color or a length of a of the length of a blade or the the way that the bow looked or anything? Um, I think the concept of him presenting as someone who was young was mm -hmm. definitely shifted because I think in the mythos there he's relatively old, um, young for what else, what have you. But I think mm -hmm. I was surprised to see him looking like a young person rather than someone who's maybe had youthful features, but is still hardened by time. I was expecting him to be oh. a little bit more of a harsher character, a harsher portrayal. Okay. Okay. That's a great starting off point. So this cove of pine, uh, so it was in your backyard? Yeah. Yeah. Where could you see the pines from uh, in um, within your house? Within the house, uh, kitchen mm -hmm. window, more or less. You could see the base of them stretching out there. You couldn't actually see the top of them because there was enough foliage and tree cover between you and the trees themselves. Okay. So you, um, if you can, if you're, if you're not already, um, so let's close your eyes. Alrighty. So you're, 
you're in that kitchen right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking out the window. What's underneath the window? Like underneath underneath the window sill as, as you're looking at it right now as you picture On it. the inside or the outside? On the inside. On the inside, uh, a little set of um, cabinets built in almost into like a little bench seat under the window. Shoved with stuff, not used as seating. Okay. So you're standing looking out the window, getting ready to go out to to play in those trees. Um, kind of imagining uh, Legolas and, and living out that uh, living out that fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. And now imagine just as you are about to dart out the door to get there, you look down at that cabinet and and in the cabinet sticking out of it is a book. It's old. Uh, it's very thick, big, kind of an unwieldy book that it seems like you've never seen it before. It's unfamiliar, yet it feels like it's been there for a hundred years untouched. Can you see it? Mm-hmm. Most certainly. What color? What what color is it? Uh it is just kind of a scuffed brown with mm. uh like kind of gold metallic trimming on the corners. Don't know publishing right. enough to know what those yeah, are. Yeah, called, yeah, yeah. Stuff like yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuffed. So do you have to bend down to pick it up or is it right at hands level? Definitely have to bend down. Probably so, wrestle it through a pile yeah, of yeah. things. So yeah, you bend it. down and you wrestle it through that the that pile to, to pull it out and heft it up. And where's the nearest counter? Um at that point, likely directly behind me, um, so, on the kitchen table there. On, on the kitchen table. So you you have this you have this book. I'm, I'm you know you're of the age of of a of a child who would be climbing trees. So it's it's not an easy thing to wrestle it. And you would have the book and put it down on on the table. And then on the on the cover, you can't quite make it out because you you um you, you haven't been you haven't been taught to read yet. But you can see that the same gold that you saw on the, on the binding is, is on the cover. Uh, you open up this book all the way. Um, and you, you feel like that crack of a book that hasn't been opened on the binding of a long time. And the pages crinkle a little bit, very light, thin pages. Mm-hmm. And as you open that first book on the first page is a large black letter. The first letter of the first sentence that's always larger, you know, a gilded and embossed maybe with a, a, a picture. Mm-hmm. And as you start looking at it, everything becomes black. And you hear a voice, an old yet somehow musical and ageless voice say, Sky. Sky. Hmm. Sky. Yeah. And then, uh, do you hear the voice? I do. So then, as as you're looking around, it's it's truly just black. You realize you're not in the world that you were in before. You're you're not in the home that you were in before. You're some place else. You're someone else. Um, but you don't know what that someone else is. And you hear that voice calling you, 
sky. It's almost like a song. Right. Do you have an idea who might be saying that saying your name? Ooh. It's okay if you don't. Um you don't it's complete black, so if you don't recognize the voice, it's one you've never heard before. But if you have an idea. Nothing comes to mind. Nothing so you're comes not to sure mind. Who. Nothing. I feel like that would be kind of a thing that would the answer to that question should be a spontaneous spark and nothing uh shows up immediately there to fill that particular space. So as you say, spontaneous spark, in the darkness a light shines. It shines like ambient around you. Mm -hmm. And you turn towards that shine and it's almost like there's a, a curtain of blackness. You walk towards that curtain and then you... It, it, it can't be a curtain, but it is a curtain. It's like time and space itself with a little bit of light and, and you press through, open the curtain and you step into a forest thick, similar to the one that you played in, but different. Can you picture the forest? Yeah. Yeah. And then you hear the voice calling you again, sky, sky. So in that way, uh, and that way we start to create the world of, uh, of sky, right? Right. You from, draw things, you draw things that naturally come from, from the participant audience, what have you. Mm -hmm. And you use that to shape in order to, to create a world that feels tactily, mentally, emotionally authentic enough that once you start to insert a little bit of the absurd or the magical or the ethereal, suddenly you have a much more contrasted experience. Yeah. Now, for anybody listening, right, they may be able to well, they may well be able to picture that, but they're not going to picture it the way that you do, uh, because this was this was completely and totally from a conversation between you and I. Um, and that's really just the the beginning of what we're doing with the uh, with the piece that I'm working on that that's that's up now. Yeah. So so in that case there's a malleability, right? Because it's it's it is a concrete spot. It is a very concrete memory that exists, but um, but it's yours. It's your relationship to all of those things, and we're starting with your relationship to all of those things, and and just getting that bit of agency is what I'm so so interested in. It, it's like the best site specific work. You're not just putting it. Uh, you're not just putting the work that you're doing in the space. You're use, you're working with the space to do it. Um, the, the way that I like to describe it is, is in, in Walk the Night, the main character, the only character who is in literally every second of every scene mm -hmm. is the site. What I also came to realize is that the like, second billing to that is the, is the music um, if you, because the score, uh, the score is playing everywhere at every time. Um, but other than that, everybody shares the stage for the same amount of time. But the only, the only thing that's in every single scene uh, within Walk the Night or those sandbox is the site. So if you haven't, if, if you're just doing blocking and then putting it in a room rather than using the entirety of that room, then you're not doing your work. You're not doing the full extent of the work. Like, again, using that sort of psychology with those people, having an ability to read you and work with you rather than 
move you through something. That's for me, the deeper work. So I don't know if we've, I don't know if we've done an exact example of what you were talking about, but it's one way of, it's one way of playing with it. Um, and if, uh, uh, if you ever get the chance to talk to Christoph, he will, uh, uh, I, I, I butchered what he does. I gave as loose of a quote with what for what he does as I did with Joseph Campbell. Like, <laughs> um, uh, so it, it really is just a very rough and tumble example. Um, it, you know, I guess it's not like any person that comes on and does this with you. You're creating an entire uh, show from that experience, but uh, it's about as close um, as you can get to having a mini session either with the guests and the host make music or uh, tales by candlelight um, as my example. Yeah, no. Wow. Thank you for that. That was, that was very unexpected and exactly the kind of unexpected direction that, um, that one would hope would come from a less than expected answer to the initial question there. But yeah, <laughs> no, thank you for that. Yeah. When you're uh when you're a person who deals in thoughts and ideas as much as I am, you have to get things really simple and concrete. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lest you go um, spinning off into the universe oh. too quickly. Oh, I, yeah. I can certainly empathize with that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When, yeah. You have to have a good foundation if you're going to provide people with a bunch of different options. So, Yeah, yeah. The variability in that. And I... And it, it's really hard for me to conceptualize that degree of optionality because, I mean, it it's tricky to conceptualize from the outside. I feel like until you've actually put your hands on trying to create or interface with the creation process directly from the production end, mm -hmm. understanding what it means to make a space in the narrative that variable is, yeah, it's it stays a little ambiguous in that way. Oh yeah, I, I mean uh, along those lines, uh, <laughs> the the two pieces uh, uh, they're they're very simple, very very simple pieces um, at at their heart. The 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 two the two sort of boutique one on ones that I'm working on right now, um, or I've made. I, I guess I'm always working on them, right? Because every person that walks in is is different. Um, yeah, certainly. Uh, but they they took they take months. Um, months and months and months, uh, to make, to make that 90 minute experience. Um, it is, it is a long and arduous process and I'm really, uh, yeah. And making, making everything else as simple as possible allows me to spend that time for those months to, to make something that, uh, that as you say, you, that I've, I've gotten into virtually every moment of it. So, uh, so that all of those options or as many as is possible are provided for uh, yeah, I, I, I truly love it. Like I, I always said, if I could direct one-on-ones for the rest of my life, I'd be a pretty happy human being. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think uh, that there is a very good possibility that that is, um, <laughs> that you and a few other people who are doing similar work may be the first few people to be doing what is and probably will become a, a new field <laughs> in many ways, a new, a uh, new career path that is, that is being created and formed by the work that you guys are doing presently. Um, uh, what's the, what's the phrase? Your mouth, the God's ears. <laughs> um, but, but I think that the, the work that's being done right now is so inspiring. Um, and, and for me, it's, uh, it's, it's twofold as to why it's got legs, why we're in, uh, 
in a in a billion dollar uh, economy. Why that? Um, why our methods and methodology have figured very strongly into what Disney's doing right now with uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Um, it's it's because it is tangible and it is going to be. It already is. It, I mean, Disney's doing it. It's 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 done. It's here. Um, it, so it it is it is lasting. Um, and it is changing things. Um, and that is so exciting. And it's exciting to see the other people's work that are, that are coming out of it. Um, capital W does amazing things. The stuff that's going down, uh, in, in LA at two bit circus is, is a blast and a half. Um, yeah, gosh, uh, speakeasy society is doing, um, some, some great, th- I, I could go, I could go on and on. Um, all, and all of them very different. Very, very different, um, but but experiential and immersive. And and the the other thing, Sky, that I can can tell you as to why I know this is as much as immersive as a word is thrown around these days. Why I know it's more than just a, a, a trend is because of the effect that um, I see in real time in the performances, but most importantly with uh, students in workshops. Um, you go to a theater class and it's already an engaged group of kids, but then you can start seeing the way that they light up when they start getting their hands on immersive theater. And it's, yeah. uh, it's something else. It, it's, I, I mean, I've taught theater and I've taught immersive theater and I can, the, the difference in the reaction and the effect is palpable. And I care very much about what I teach. It's not, uh, I mean, maybe part of it is, uh, infectious if i love it they're loving it more i'm perceiving them love it more but it body language don't lie (laughs) yeah that is the truth that is the truth that is a lot harder to uh represent um falsely with uh physical physical communication than with verbal that is the truth Mm -hmm. here here I was going to say that potentially this could be a great point to segue into a few rapid fire questions um, as the uh, last portion of this here. Um, fire away. I will arm myself. <laughs> and uh, so specifically that looks like insofar as your experience with teaching and your experience with the world of traditional theater, um, mm-hmm. what kind of impact do you think immersive theater is currently having um on theater as a whole and potentially could have in the future uh you can already see the effect that it's having in the amount of theaters that are claiming that they do things that are immersive (laughs) um uh, last year at hollywood fringe we had uh 20 immersive shows 12 of them which were actually immersive shows theaters all over are saying that they're doing something experiential and the fact that they're trying says says something in concrete ways, uh, you, you get a lot, there are a lot more pieces where audience interaction is happening. Um, I've, I've seen a couple things going on at, uh, on the smaller stages at Oregon Shakespeare Festival. There was one uh, last year where there was a sort of an element of musical chairs. And of course, I can't remember the name of the play. Uh, yeah, so that's a very vague answer that I gave you. But uh, it, it, every everything affects everyone else in so many different ways, so... I don't know. And it is, I mean, it is a little bit nebulous for sure. And really, I mean, the most concrete thing that you 
that anyone can really put forth beyond speculation is their own experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then of course, as you say that, you know, as, as you're saying psychological and, and perception of a show, uh, then of course things like, uh, come, uh, like pop up right in my head. Um, uh, Christoph, who's my collaborator for, uh, uh, tales by candlelight. He just, he just got work with the theater company uh, After Hours in LA. Uh, they put mm. up um, last year. They put up One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and I mean the show's the show, right? The, the show itself, it, truthfully, it's more, um, as I understand it, more experiential than uh, than immersive. You know, right, so right. That is proprietary uh, property. The things you know, the show has to go on to a certain set of standards, but their lobby and you know their before and after that onboarding and offboarding activation is a lot more of a through line and christoph who is a scent designer um uh he designed the scent within the show and then outside of the show and that affected the drinks that they're selling um yeah, there was yeah. uh, an experiential and i think it was in new york that there was an experiential um uh, uh sweeney todd um uh so it's it's there like people are people are doing it um uh they're using it as fuel and yeah, for better or worse it's also in ads um it's good and it's better and worse because a lot of us are getting uh work in activations it's one of the reasons why la is so uh is such a great hotbed for it because we can not only put up our own pieces but you know, love it or hate it, Jack in the Box put up an uh, quote unquote immersive uh, installation. Um, is it my cup of tea? No, but people enjoyed parts of it and someone got work from that. Uh, so it, it's in it, it's here. Uh, South by Southwest World. Um, yeah, yeah. Immersive activations, immersive theater, period. Uh, Comic Con, uh, you can see the way that it's affecting Comic Con. That's a huge part of the cultural ethos, um, which Certainly. is in turn affecting uh, uh, the Marvel properties. Um, you know, I, I just talked to the guy who's who's worked with Marvel after he came through uh, Tales by Candlelight, and we're talking about how there's an interplay there. So. Thank you for summing up my answer. And, and now I've got something concrete for you. Ha ha. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. No, no, no. And that, I, I think it's really interesting that you bring up advertising there too, because in a lot of ways, yeah, there are a lot of activations that do, I mean, are either labeled immersive or get close to it are, or actually are so. Um, but that said, I almost think that, especially like if you talk, think about scent, um, which is a perfect example here insofar as thinking about scent marketing and the way that, you know, businesses have for years utilized mm -hmm. scent to, you know, cue people into their store, into their mm -hmm. corporate, co whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Point, the, yeah. <laughs> the point mm -hmm. is made, but um, I think it's potentially actually constructive on that front or immersive theater is constructive on that front. Well, yeah, there are going to be certain techniques that are used in advertising and marketing um, mm -hmm. that haven't necessarily been seen before. I think on the other end of it, it also has the potential to give audiences and subsequently consumers a more sophisticated um, level of awareness about the way that advertisers and marketers can potentially be trying to access them, manipulate them, what have you, uh, um, because you. of their experience with entertainment thank you thank you very much for bringing that up because it's it's um 
with the effect on uh, with the effect on the culture and with the ability for it to be tapped into advertisers, like right, um, I I have been hired by companies and and hope to be hired by companies to do immersive activations, but there there has to be an ethics around it. We are dealing right now with a lot of data being shared and a lot of behavioral uh, manipulation that's going on. Um, and it's not something small. This uh, so th- there has to be um, there has we we have to be very careful and uh, empathetic and conscientious of the way that we do and use these uh, this sort of new element of the medium. Uh, scent is a is a perfect example. Uh, uh, Tales by Candlelight we use scent. Um, but what scent means is actually far more subjective than Disney's use of popcorn at Disneyland would uh, would lead you to believe. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and the use of psychology uh, in work, as in human behavior and human interaction, uh, <laughs> with great cow- power comes great responsibility, Spider Man. Um, it's something that we do need to be careful about and, and something that a lot of us in LA are, um, are working on because, uh, this could easily become a nightmare. Um, so we have to be very, uh, very aware of what we're doing and when we're doing it. Um, it's an important time and a really exciting time. Um, but a very important time, the way that you raise a kid affects at a certain point affects the psychology and the way that that kid processes things. We're in relatively early stages for this having a, a major cultural impact yeah certainly certainly we're coming to a point where the the changes the the alteration of those things can actually start to become intentional and are becoming the possibilities around that are becoming more and more significant just consistently um and in yeah in some ways that are scary but then in some ways like that is that is honestly why i think of it as more of an immersive revolution than immersive Mm -hmm. renaissance i mean renaissance is completely exact i think they're both completely right but the reason Mm -hmm. revolution keeps popping into my head is just because it's like this is the point where we as a culture can i think have an opportunity have a vehicle to use this thing to kind of develop a different level of Mm self-awareness um which feels revolutionary in texture to me <laughs> anyway mm-hmm. um so so when you say revolutionary like what are um so what are uh what are then we revolting against um the ethos of those who have a significant amount of resources to design context for us that we accept to be just the way things are without a broader awareness of how environments and social environments are designed to do certain things. And I mean, I am going to leave it that um, that broad and that general, because I think the key there is just the revolution is the immersive revolution is the opportunity to to just kind of learn more about ourselves and have have broader awareness of these things. So Um, I'm going to. That that's a that's a, a perfect example of, um, uh, of of what our what our responsibility is. Um, so at uh, at the immersive design summit this past year, there was this gal um, who works with Meow Wolf, uh, Jenny Weinblum. 
um, uh, she gave actually the, the, uh, the, the last, the last talk of the summit. And she talked about, um, immersive creators allowing the audience to question what they do, to not force someone into having any given experience, but to allow them to have the experience that, um, that is right for them. And for that part of that experience to allow questioning, of course, excusing malicious intent, excusing malicious intent. Um, right. Yeah. On that, on that same day, there was talk uh, uh, on a panel of what they called on, on fandom. This gentleman who works with uh, this company, uh, People Mover. Oh, I can't. I wish I could remember his. Uh, I wish I could remember his name. Um, um, People Mover. If he's in the uh, guest list for the um, Mercer Design Summit, I can just take a peek and make sure that he finds his way into the show notes too. Uh, that would be that would be great. Um, so uh, it was. Uh, he and and a whole host of of fantastic people on this panel that talked about fandom and, and um, uh, among the many brilliant things that were said, I felt like everybody should have been at this panel, and precious few people were. Uh, they they said um, fandom is uh, again. I'm going to overly boil it down, but um, uh, fandom is an it was defined as a a non linear interaction by the audience with source material. Uh, so like our RPGs with D&D, that is, that is based in fandom. Anybody can interact with uh, an RPG with a D&D module, however they so choose. Um, same thing with comic books, same thing with Comic-Con. Excuse me. True, true. So um, in, uh, in, in doing this thing, it is, it is, in, in, in building, it is crucial to allow people to continue to question and engage in the work in whichever way they see fit, um, but to provide a safe uh, environment and a safe atmosphere uh, within that. Part of that involves consent. My issue with Facebook is people don't actually know what they're consenting to. They, they, there's, there's caution in whatever that list of rules is, but there is not open consent. Uh, for mass emails, we have opt outs, not opt ins. Um, uh, there's no, it's always click this button if you would like not to for us to have your information rather than, hey, can we have your information? Click yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, and that, like, that core thing for me is something that has to be worked in to everything that we do. Um, and it seems like, this is me. That's I do mean for me. Now there are people who work within, um, within haunts or I, I, I can't speak for everybody else, but I, I think that everything has to be built from, uh, in, uh, from, uh, uh, consent and it has to be built into the aesthetic and it has to be built in with inclusivity, um, and with a full, with a full option. So for me, that is, um, that's the core in talking about this revolution because, Otherwise, we're replacing, um, if you go with the French Revolution, you're replacing one bad thing with another. Um, yeah. So that's my that's my contribution to what you're saying. And I'm sorry if I rambled. No, no, I appreciate that. That was an incredibly dynamic response there. Um, I mean, that ties back around very organically in so many ways, uh, especially in the concept of bringing up Facebook there because people don't know what they're opting into or opting or what they should be opting out of um, on either end of that spectrum. But insofar as Facebook, the the stakes have become high enough. And I think it's very easy to forget how high the stakes are 
mm-hmm. when you are on the front edge of something, you're like, I'm doing work that is that feels small, that feels, you know, that it doesn't have the certain kind of grandeur and fanfare around it that um, mm-hmm. that we think of about incredibly and long term impactful work. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy to forget about the stakes being high and that attaches to Facebook in that very marketable, sexy tagline that came out of Facebook uh, via uh, Zuckerberg for a minute there was move fast and break things. The star- startup world loved that. And then he, now, and I mean, this is this is no commentary, no judgment one way or the other, but just simply a kind of uh, journalistic regurgitation of the facts in this way. Now that has switched um, or at least the presentation of it has switched to not move fast and break things. Hey, that no longer works. We've seen what happens now. Yeah, it's move fast with stable infrastructure. And it's oh, like not nearly as sexy, but it it is something that I feel like is a necessary mentality for the rec- for recognizing how stakes the high are. Because yeah. the this edge of things, which is honestly, in some weird ways, very closely or much more closely linked to tech than I think that um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. than we realize oftentimes uh, is it has a high potential for ripple, a high ripple Mm -hmm. value. We'll call it that a ripple value. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, with those with those anecdotes like that. Yeah, I like move. It's sustainability. uh, uh, is is key. You can have a pace, but it has to be sustained. Um, and the, the thing, yeah, move fast and break things is a sexy, uh, sexy phrase, sure. But anecdotes like that come uh, are are uh, uh, t- <laughs> anecdotes like that are a double edged sword. Just to to mix the metaphors, but the point <laughs> is, okay, what are you moving past through, and what are you breaking? That that has to be asked. What don't you break? Because it's all well and good, like oh yeah, move fast. Let's be let's uh, let's be pioneers. Well, okay, yeah, let's be pioneers. Sure, great, but let's not maybe do another manifest destiny. Yeah, you let's know? not do another you know Central South American Spanish you know yeah. conquest. Like let's let's think about this. Let's uh, let's yeah. take our time for a second here. <laughs> just yeah, just a bit of thoughtfulness. And, and hey, I and I do not mean to to bag on on Facebook or social media. This is something that we've, you know, we've we're a little bit complicit in um uh, a the, the problems that are there and and b it's um th- th- there's been a lot of good that has been that has come from this technology. So it's not something that I feel like everyone should boycott entirely necessarily. Um but I do think it's something that we act it's an it's a relationship that we need to take more stock of than than we have been than i certainly have been uh, yeah there i'm sure that there's someone listening right now going like yeah well i know exactly whether they do or not um, <laughs> <laughs> and i mean on the other other end I, I wasn't necessarily like i said i wasn't saying that in one direction or the other um of course, of course. because yeah. i i think it's i think it honestly like maybe not facebook as a business entity but facebook as a as a technology is inherently kind of neutral it has mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. you were saying immense potential for both it to affect things in both ways and i'm just like i'm <laughs> things Great. are good and bad and nothing is nothing is that simple Second, exactly like, get worried when someone tries to boil it down into such stark greed stark 
degrees and shades of simplicity because nothing <laughs> nothing actually exists within that simple of a paradigm. I I hear you, which is funny as you say that, and I like as you say, as you say nothing exists in that simple of a paradigm. I'm I'm realizing I think we've gotten one of your rapid fire questions off, so I. <laughs> i'm sorry for spinning us off um, no no it's fine honestly at this point in time i'm kind of resigned to it and just very much loving the uh very uh the very varied very varied degree of tangents and uh offshoots that we have explored here because frankly it's awesome hearing your perspective and the way that you have expressed that you interface with a lot of these concepts i think is very substantive and i think it's a it, it's important to have out there it's important to have available um at this period in time i i appreciate that i appreciate that greatly thank you um but on that note could we potentially just like shoot for one more rapid fire um yeah, see what happens and then uh wrap her down a, yeah yeah time allowing on your end for us uh yeah i got a good uh yeah i got i got time for for one more and then wrap down sure yes looking at my right on looking at my calendar Let's do it. Um, and this one is a pretty simple one, but what's one immersive experience uh, that you are particularly excited about the potential of? Um, not your own, but like something that you've heard of as as a potential or something that's happening that you're like, oh, hey, that speaks to something new, different, or a lot of potential in the down the road. Oh, gosh, that's a that's a great question. Um. So I, I don't, um, I don't have an answer for work that is coming up. I have an answer for people that are making things. Um, perfect. That works perfectly. Yeah. I, I think that what, uh, that the, the head on the shoulders of, uh, of, of the brilliant person that is Monica Mickelson and what they do with capital W is, uh, yeah, there's the sky's the limit for them. Gosh. Uh, Speakeasy society, um, uh, you, you know, having having just wrapped up the one and then remounting, uh, I, I think that they're re looking at remounting another piece as, as they're working at Moore's. That that um, there's so much to come from uh, from them. Uh, uh, Derek Spencer with uh, ceaseless fun. Um, he's uh, uh, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything that he's working on, but the stuff that um, that he and, and his company are going that that direction is really fascinating to me. Uh, I'm I, I I'm currently within NDA, so I can't say what I'm doing with uh, with Comic Con, but I'm uh, Comic Con is always an interesting thing to see where people with um, people with money go uh, a, a giant spoon. The stuff that they're doing with activations, yeah. they're the folks that did South by Southwest World, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, is is uh, yeah. I mean, those folks, those folks right there are the the example of how to do activations right. Um, yeah, so I, I don't <laughs> I don't have any specific piece. Those are those are folks. Uh, oddly, uh, the Santa Monica Pier, uh, Nagin Singh, uh, Nagin Singh. Um, is uh is running things down there and there's there's some fantastic things uh, uh brewing up there um yeah that's what i got for you 
<laughs> awesome. No, thank you. I think the uh, the selected links um, from the show is going to be a a, a veritable tower of uh, different and cool things for people to check out. Um, so yeah, I very much appreciate good. it. I should. I wish that we'd done this a week earlier so I could have plugged uh, the finest the final chapter in the Kansas collection because that's a. Uh, um, yeah, that's a pretty resounding conclusion for what Speakeasy was doing with that that little series. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I uh, <laughs> wanted to make it out there, have someone to go out there to cover it for Imagination, and I feel like a, a bit of history just kind of slipped by me because I've been I've been paying attention to the best of my ability about what's been going on inside of that, and I, yeah. Yeah, it's think- new. It's 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 we're, it's still young. It's still young yet. Um, so it's easy for things to come and go around the country. But thanks to the work of folks like you, we're, we're able to kind of spread it and give it uh, give it legs. Um, yeah, regional, regional, regional. Um, you know, who knows? Yeah. Hopefully, maybe one day the Kansas uh, collection will come to to Michigan as it's been in California. Um, <laughs> we can uh, certainly I, hope. We can certainly hope. Yeah, it's really good. It's a really cool piece. Um, all right. So on that note, um, where can people find you uh, and your work? Um, anywhere. Uh, no. <laughs> um, uh, the 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 sort of nebulous uh axis point or the nexus not nebulous very different most of my answers mm-hmm. are nebulous but the nexus of <laughs> the stuff i do is at uh, uh to walk the night dot uh dot com um uh, to walk the night dot com um you can see uh, virtually all of my work uh past uh past and present um on uh on there um and the two, the two ones going on right now, um, one is uh, by appointment, that's the guest and the host make music. Um, uh, it's a, a, we just expanded it to a three person. We're working to see if we can get it to four, but it, it was built as a one-on-one um, recording experience that literally anyone can participate in to create a song. Um, that is really cool. Yeah, that's as boiled down as it gets. I mean, it's in the title. The guest and the host make music. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but you you get a song from it. You actually walk away with a song that you can uh, play for the rest of your life and have for the rest of your life. Um, the other one is uh, Tales by Candlelight. Um, and Tales by Candlelight is a collaborative storytelling experience uh, based in scent to that creates a custom-made scented candle um, that is then sent to you in the mail along with uh, a few other mysteries. Um, uh, that is what you you and I just had a very very brief taste of um, in uh, in playing with uh, in playing with setting up a magic a uh, world of magic realism. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and then everything else. Uh, um, so those are all accessible at twowalkthenight.com. My uh, collaborators on that um, for the guest and the host is Andrew Herringer. He uh, he is the guest and the host. So that's at theguestandthehost.com. Uh, um, in case anyone wants to see the or listen to rather uh, any of the other songs from our in our little guest book that's there, you can access that there. Um, oh, an auditory guest book. I love that. Yeah, guy. yeah. Uh, it's I. I 
I, I love it. We also have two albums released from the guests and the host make music uh, available streaming. So people can listen to those. Um, you can listen to your own song. You can listen to other people's songs. Um, uh, Tales by Candlelight is in partnership with Christoph Vischer. Um, you can, you can uh, see and then actually uh, uh, own his work. Um, he's a candle maker for RPG games. Uh, it's cantripcandles.com. Um, uh, uh, so he actually has a fantastic company that does that. It's uh, Atmospheric Candles for Tabletop Games. Uh, Stone Moss Chapel is a scent that smells like a chapel. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's really, really great. Uh, great collaborators to have. Um, and, uh, and, and there, when you go to either of those sites, you'll see Tales by Candlelight has an Instagram where it has, uh, little illustrations or, uh, uh, hints of other people's stories that were told. So you can, uh, that's a very new, uh, uh, I, I guess a very new account that, uh, that you can go through and see. I, I kind of, Take a lot of inspiration for those from uh, humans of New York, actually. Right. Um, yeah. No. I that makes sense. Um, and I, I just to inject a little bit of my own feelings about that. It is incredibly frustrating, and like the best possible way to have just the the uh, not be able to read the entire description of the candle that was created out of a given experience. Um, <laughs> It provides that kind of window that intentionally does not give the full picture, but gives just enough that it's like, ah, I, am, <laughs> no, I really uh, like what uh, you're doing with that. I'm sorry, not sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, the, the, uh, so Tales by Candlelight comes with, uh, comes with another caveat as far as an announcement. Um, I, uh, uh, so it's, it's, it is for open ticket sales uh, at the moment, Tales by Candlelight. Um, Guests and the host you, uh, is always by appointment. You can go to the website and book it. Tales by Candlelight as of August 1st, um, it's, a, <laughs> it's a very taxing and time-consuming piece um, outside of the piece itself. Um, so with that in mind, uh, as of August 1st, Tales by Candlelight is going to be um, by invitation and application only. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, we will have a, a waitlist submission that people can do that will also be as uh, an optional 50% uh, um, discount because it's a high price ticket, um, a discount of 50% for a waitlist and exchange of trade. Um, uh, because uh, I, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, so that announcement will be coming out, um, actually, if not later today, then, then sometime this week. So, uh, we are in the Hollywood fringe right now. Um, I think we have six spots left in the Hollywood fringe. Uh, and then I believe we are slated to do one other weekend that's not currently booked up in the middle of July, um, all of which are, are open tickets. And then after that, um, the, uh, the candle, the, <laughs> the store doors only open for those who come by application, um, or invitation. Um, if you, uh, if you are listening to this and you have come through, you've been given a, um, you, you have may well right now in your possession, have a, a referral card or an invitation card 
all of those are still good. We will, we will, we will be good on those offers. Um, uh, however, it's going to be subject to subject to scheduling rather than just being able to, to come in and, and take any time. Um, uh, and, and that's where Tales by Candlelight's going. Um, Christoph and I both have a lot of other things going on. We love doing it, but uh, have to develop those other things too because. You and know, I can imagine it's incredibly time-consuming as well. Oh. You know, being there, prepping, and of course, then going through the process of making the candle afterwards. I'm sure yeah. it's not a, a completely fast process. Yeah, the the we just get to a point where we're like, well, the only way for us, it's it's um yeah, it's financially it, it's sustainable. It's sustainable, but we're getting to a point where we're going to start phoning it in. And I, I just, I don't have the wherewithal. Um, we're all freelance out here. So I, it's, it's funny how you're, uh, how immersive work, you don't do it as well when you, uh, when you're starving, you know, just, mm. you're not paying that much attention to people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we don't want to phone it in. Um, and, uh, uh, we also have to kind of uh, be able to take care of ourselves. Like actually, uh, yeah, it's, they're very taxing in session in the best of ways. And they take up a lot of time outside a session. Um, so yeah, that's just the way to make, uh, to make it sustainable. So that's what we're doing. Certainly. Certainly. Now. And I think that, that, that piece of making it sustainable is, I would argue one of the most important components of this world because i think that that model of doing sustainable experiences is kind of one of the biggest barriers that immersive theater and immersive entertainment overall especially social immersion rather than environmental mm -hmm. or ar vr faces um mm -hmm. here here uh like i said that is a whole other conversation I would love to have at some point in time, but ah. a bit of a rabbit hole for this moment in time. Yeah. I, I feel like we've just dug up the garden with rabbit holes here. <laughs> I know it, it's excellent. It's excellent. There is no more garden. We only have this, uh, this perfect window to, uh, down below now. Um, ah. <laughs> well, all right. Wonderful. Uh, that, that is you. Um, is there, Anything immediately that you would like to recommend or ask the audience before we uh, put a final cap on it for, for this conversation? Recommend or ask the audience. Um, most importantly, find the stuff that's near you. I, I, I just feel like someone somewhere in range, someone is doing this. And if they're not, find people who might and start doing it. Um, I, I, there's so many crossovers and it's, uh, it's, it's so, so important. So, uh, we've had a couple of people fly in for, uh, literally overnight for the, the, for the guests and the hosts make music and people do the same thing for Tales by Candlelight. And that's, uh, and that is an honor and, uh, and, and fantastic. Uh, anyone is obviously more than welcome. But um, make it yourself, please, please, please. Um, make it yourself, make mistakes. Uh, but make sure that the mistakes you make are um, are not at the cost of the audience that comes through um, emotionally or physically. That's it. Well, that is an excellent note to end on. Um, please create and enjoy immersion. It is 
more readily accessible than you think on both ends. And on that note, once again, thank you for coming on the show. I really do appreciate your time. Yeah, my, uh, my pleasure, Sky. It was a true pleasure. Um, and for everybody who's listening, of course, as you know, the uh, plethora of show notes this wonderful conversation has produced can be found at immersionnation.com slash podcast. And until next time, thank you for listening. Calling all immersive adventurers, explorers, connoisseurs, and artists. The immersive revolution is just beginning. All that is to say, we would love any feedback that you might have on the show. What do you want to hear more of, less of? Anyone in particular you'd like us to have on the show? I would love to hear your thoughts. So please rate us, review us, or just drop us a line on the website at immersionnation.com. I always love having conversations about this wide and wild world that we are both living in and creating. Once again, this is the Immersion Nation podcast. Thank you for joining us in this adventure.